it is time now to turn to the gospel. And um, you know, you know what we do through the year. We begin, we begin in Advent with preparations for Jesus' birth, and then we rehearse his birth again at Christmas time. And through Epiphany, we begin to walk with Jesus in his public ministry, and then we reach we reach Lent, and we make make the way of the cross with him, and at Easter, his resurrection, and so on. Well, we, we're at the point now where Jesus is moving from private life to public life. He is, he is stepping out into a public arena where people are beginning to see him and to hear his message. So if you are able to stand, would you do so now? Prepare to receive the gospel as it is given to us in the fourth chapter of Matthew. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the lake in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and brother and his brother Andrew, casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed Jesus. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. One of the reasons why we come to church and pray prayers and sing hymns and listen to long-winded sermons is that many of us are engaged in a search We are searching for God. We spend much of our lives looking for the meaning of life and the point of it all and the identity of the one who made us and who made our world. We're looking for focus, for energy, for encouragement to keep going, for relationships that make the journey of life fruitful and enjoyable. In some places, and here sometimes, we we even design services for those who are searching. We call them seekers. They are out looking for God, looking for meaningful, relevant ways to worship. They're looking for a mission in life. But, as is often the case, we human beings get it all backwards and upside down we tend to get all caught up in our search for God when that's not the way it is at all. 
Jesus, God himself, never, ever sat back and waited for people to stumble upon them. Instead, God is the one who always reaches out, always goes forth, always calls. Come, follow me, Jesus said. Come, follow me. Jesus did things different than others did. And, and you know many of the stories that, that, are, that the Gospels tell about Jesus and how he was different. He did things different. He did things unexpectedly. And um, it sometimes got him noticed. Often it got him in trouble. The way that Jesus did things differently. But he never did things just to attract attention or, or just to get himself in trouble. He did things for a kingdom reason. There was always a reason why Jesus did things different. Remember how Jesus was often accused of working on the Sabbath? There, there was at least one occasion where he and his disciples were walking through a field and they were picking some grain to eat because they were hungry. And those who saw them accused them of doing inappropriate work on the Sabbath, breaking God's law, ignoring God's judgments. That sort of thing got him in big trouble. But, but he did those things for a kingdom reason. He did those things to show and demonstrate God's relentless love for us, how God doesn't let anything get in the way of, of helping and healing and feeding us. And then, then there were times when, uh, again, many occasions, where, where Jesus was accused of eating and drinking with sinners. Remember some of those stories? Again, he didn't do those things just to get in trouble, but he, he did those things. He associated with, with bad people in order to demonstrate that nobody is out of God's reach. No one is beyond God's care. Well, you know, we encounter in, in this story from Matthew 4 another occasion when Jesus did things differently. And, and he did them in such a way that it got him in some trouble. But you know, because, because you and I aren't Jewish and because we don't live in the first century, I bet you did exactly what I did. You heard that story and weren't even aware that Jesus was doing something unconventional. But you know, in those days, a conventional rabbi like Jesus was, a rabbi did not go out and call disciples to follow him. It was considered bad form for a rabbi to do that, to go out and, and beat the bushes and ask people to become his disciples. The greatness of one's teaching, the, the convincingness of it, what was supposed to be compelling enough to attract disciples to a rabbi. So a rabbi would stay put. And the disciples would come and travel from all over to come and sit at the feet of this rabbi and learn from him. But Jesus did it differently. He was unconventional. He went out and, and he called his disciples. He reached out to them and he, he called them, come and follow me. He reached out to them. And you know, a, a rabbi in those days would, would um, 
be very careful about the disciples that he picked. Some would, so many would come to a rabbi, he couldn't take them all. So he would, a rabbi would always want in his school, he'd, he'd want some, some smart people, some people who were really sharp mentally and who could grasp new ideas and, and uh, challenge the rabbi somewhat in his thinking and they, they could have good conversations. Well, the rabbi would also, he would also want some, some big fellas too to do some of the work around the synagogue, you know, to move the pews around and all that sort of stuff. A rabbi would also want some rich kids <laughs> so that their parents would support the school. But Jesus didn't do it that way. He didn't stay in one place and expect others to come to him. Jesus went out seeking. He went out reaching out, calling those he wanted to follow him. You know, the Bible itself, Old Testament and New Testament, Hebrew scripture and Christian scripture, is not so much a record of our search for God. But it is an amazing account of the extraordinary lengths to which God will go to search for us, to reach us, to call us, to engage us. You know, just a few weeks ago, we remembered and we rehearsed the Christmas story. Did you notice how, as we read through the Christmas story again, hardly anybody in the Christmas story was looking for God? They weren't looking for God. They weren't searching for something more meaningful in their lives. Their lives were, were full and placid as you go. Mary and Joseph and the shepherds, they, they, they had plenty of work to do. They weren't looking for more, probably because they were relatively poor people. They were just looking for their next meal, trying to survive from week to week, trying to get by. They were searching for daily bread and probably not a whole lot more. It was God who came to them. It was God who sought them out, who came after them, who called them, who had work for them to do. John begins the first chapter of his stirring gospel by talking about the people who have sat in darkness. We heard it repeated in, uh, in this morning's lesson from, from Matthew. People who have sat in darkness, and that's our plight, and that's our tendency a good way to characterize our search. When we are the ones who are searching for God, our search is little more than a groping around in the darkness. But God is the one who searches for us. God is the one who seeks us, who finds us, who calls us. So, so the first Christmas story that I hope is still fresh in our minds is not a story about how we found God in our darkness groping, but it's rather an amazing account of how God came to us. God found us. God reached out to us. And the story goes on. And here today we encounter Jesus. We encounter Jesus still going out and still seeking others. Unconventionally, unexpectedly. That's not the way rabbis behaved back then. But that's what Jesus was doing. And Jesus' decision to do it differently was an intentional decision. It was a kingdom decision because with his very life, Jesus was demonstrating who God is and how God works and how God is at work among us. Some people encounter Jesus and they say, this is what I've been looking for. Here's the teaching I've been wanting to hear. But there are many who were repelled by Jesus and still are. Many there are who turned away from him. There's one place in the gospel that I enjoy quoting. It says that, that uh, when Jesus' teaching became difficult, there were many who followed Jesus who turned away from him 
and followed him no longer. And the the location of that remark in the Gospels always intrigued me. Do you know where it is? It's in the Gospel of John. John 6, 6, 6. Chapter 6, verse 66. Talks about how people not, not only were attracted by Jesus, but were repelled about him. Some people then and now do almost anything they can to avoid Jesus. But Jesus is intrusive. Jesus doesn't ever give up on anybody. Jesus is resourceful and relentless in reaching out to me and to you and to others. That's the way the scripture tells it. Do you remember the time that Jesus met a a man named Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a short guy and he couldn't see over the crowd. I wonder what that would be like. And he, he climbed up into a tree in order to get a glimpse of Jesus. Now, now, you know, Zacchaeus wasn't really looking for an encounter with Jesus. He just wanted to catch a glimpse of him. He wasn't trying to get up to the front of the crowd. He was of the crowd. He was just trying to get high enough so he could catch a glimpse of him. But then Jesus stopped. Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. Zacchaeus climbed down from the tree and Jesus climbed into his life. Jesus in effect, intruded. He called him down. He gave Zacchaeus some of his most important attention. At the end of Jesus' story in the Gospels, in the 24th chapter of Luke, two disciples are walking away from Jerusalem. Jesus had been crucified and buried, and they were getting away. They were heading for Emmaus, trying to get away from the horrible events of the last week. Then, a stranger suddenly appeared walking with them and talking with them, And teaching them, later they find out this stranger was none other than Jesus. Jesus, Jesus had chased them down. They were going the opposite direction and he ran them down. And when they found out who he was and what his reaching out had done to them, they couldn't get back to Jerusalem fast enough to tell the story. Jesus told stories about about a shepherd who goes and beats the bushes. He goes to great lengths to find a lost sheep. He said that the kingdom of God was like a woman who rips her house apart looking for the one coin that she had lost, searching from top to bottom until she recovers it. There is in Jesus this this reaching, this constant seeking, this, this unquenched searching. There's a search going on in Jesus, a long, relentless search, but it's not our search for God. When we, seek, when we seek God, when we do our searching, it's like we're groping around in the darkness. But God is the one who seeks us. God is the one who searches for us, calls us, finds us, and then sends us out. The main requirement to getting found by God, according to Jesus, is to be lost. And here is this Messiah, this Savior, who just loves to seek and save those who are lost. And God is the one, and in Jesus, God is at work seeking, searching. May go against the grain. This may go against the grain of, of why you think you're here. Perhaps you think you're here because you are searching for something. Your life is rich and rewarding in many ways, but in other ways there's a, there's a flatness about things, sometimes an emptiness that you feel. So you come to church hoping that something will be said or sung that will help you in your search. You come to invite God into your heart and into your life. You come to be fed. But sisters and brothers, that's not the way the Bible tells it. 
According to the gospel, you are here because you have been sought and you have been found. You have been called and you have been summoned. You are here because God has reached in and grabbed you and put you here, enticed you here, wooed you and allured you here. You don't have to invite Jesus into your heart. You don't have to invite God into your life. Jesus already owns your heart. God already owns your life. Lord of the universe, remember? All that's needed, according to the gospel, all that's needed is for you and me to wake up. To wake up to the fact that God is present in all of us and in all things. God's all about us. If only we have eyes to see and ears to hear. Wake up. That is our work. Not to search for God and try to find where God might be hiding. And in, under what, in what mysterious ways God might be concealing himself? Not at all. God is present and with us all the time. Remember Emmanuel? We talked about that at Christmas time. God is with us. Our work, the gospel call, is for us to wake up to God's presence, to God's love. Wake up to the fact that God is relentlessly searching for us. It is not you who finds God, but it is the seeking God who has found you. If you noticed in the bulletin, The title of this message today, it's called Seeking God. You know you can read that two ways. Some of us, initially when I look at it, I see seeking God because I am seeking God, but that's not what I intend. Seeking God speaks of the God who is seeking. It is God who is seeking us. Our God is a seeking God. It's not us who finds God. But it is the seeking God who has already found you and called you and directed you and put you here so you can be in the ministry which God needs to fulfill in and through our time. Jesus went out calling disciples, Simon, Andrew, James, John, and the others whom we'll encounter in the weeks ahead of us. That's not the way the rabbis usually did it. By doing it that way, Jesus attracted some negative attention and he opened himself to significant criticism. Wonder what's the matter with this guy. His message must not be very good. His teaching must not be very engaging or the disciples would come to him. But Jesus did it that way for a kingdom reason. To demonstrate what God is up to and how God is at work in our world. And God is still up to the same thing. Calling you and me sending us into fields of ministry and service, deploying us to places of need. There may be times, there may be times that you, like I, are looking for God, seeking God's presence when I feel alone, longing for God's love when I feel abandoned or in need, needing God's comfort when I am fearful because of illness or death. But when you and I are looking like that, what we inevitably find is the God who already knows us, the God who already loves us, the God who has already given himself for you and for me that we might have life and have it in abundance. Our work, our job, is to wake up to God's presence in our world, to wake up to God's work in our life. Amen.